Here is a sermon message from Somerville Community Baptist Church. To hear more sermons like this, please visit iLoveSCBC.org. Good morning. I know that was a long scripture, so thank you for reading and doing an amazing job, Julia. Um, this has been wonderful, wonderful, you know, study. Um, before I begin my sermon, just want to make one quick announcement. Next Sunday, Reverend Luke is going to give us a mission report as well as deliver the message, which I'm personally really excited about her report. You know how Lean and Reverend Luke went to the place? Angola, thank you, and stay there for a whole month. So I'm really excited about it. Um, and we just started uh, put up our membership sign-up sheet. So those who actually want to be part of our church, make sure. And those who actually have been here more than six months, okay? Not just you came and show up last Sunday. I love this church. You gotta find out more about this guy, right? And all this congregation. Then, if you really want to be part of this congregation, make sure that you put your name there so that we, we can be um, guiding you guys to welcome be part of our church. It has been personally greatest joy and privilege to go over and study this book of Ruth. And it's amazing. And help me redefine and re-emphasize and reaffirm the message about the gospel, his grace and his mercy and his love. You know, when that was taking place, it was one of the worst possible time of human history. One of the most wicked and simple time that God the other side to start preparing and plotting through this ordinary man and woman. And I learned a lot from this book of Ruth. And we've been studying this series called The Romance of Redemption. And for the last few weeks, uh, we studied uh, chapter by chapter. If I may give you just brief summary, those who weren't here. Uh, the first chapter, we talk about how the worst possible circumstance and your nightmare and your pain and your trial, how God can use them to set the stage for his great triumph. And I entitled, When Everything Goes Wrong. Think about the life of Naomi. She had everything that went wrong, right? Because of the famine, there was wrath of God that happens in the land of Bethlehem. The family of Naomi had to move and live in this foreign pagan land that is called Moab. And while she was there, her husband Elimelech died, right? And in 10 years, her sons, Mahon and Kilion, they both died. And she left with these two pagan and Gentile daughters-in-law. She did not have anything. She lost completely everything. Returning her with a roost back to the, the, the town of Bethlehem, while these people, this this saying that, oh, here comes Naomi, here comes Naomi. Naomi said, don't even call me Naomi, meaning pleasant and lovely and sweet, but instead call me Mara. Remember the story that how this the water coming out of this rock that was so bitter that they couldn't even drink. Call me that because that's who I am, where I am at right now. And even her, this honest but desperate um, comments and statements in the chapter first, she was saying that God has afflicted me and his misfortune has upon me. We know by the Spirit of God, author used two names of God, right? Remember the El Shaddai, God who is provider, who himself is enough and perfect. Image of mother, 
was giving and breastfeeding this little girl or baby. And then also there is another image and then by the name of our God that is called Yahweh or Jehovah. God who is a covenant. God of covenant and God of promise. In the worst possible circumstance, God, with his name, that as the way that he promised, he was leading them and guide them. And here comes the second chapter, and we talk about the providence of God. Providence is called, uh, is as actually the crossroad of God's mighty power and his goodness. Okay? That is the providence of God. He has his mighty power and sovereignty, but in the meantime, his goodness and his mercy and his love, that is kind of crossing. He could lead whatever he wants, but he honors the man and woman who had faith upon him. So how, he, uh, how Ruth actually went out and started gleaning in the harvest. She happened to be in the field that belongs to whom? Boaz. And Boaz just happened to be show up while he owned so many other fields. And because of this Ruth, her faithfulness and her integrity to continue to take care of her mother-in-law, and he said, I'll take care of you now. I'll protect you. I'll provide you. I'll bless you. I'll make you that you will be under the wings of our God. I'll make you that you'll be under the refuge of God. We talk about that. If we are in the midst of the certain things and incidents and you know, happenings, you may not know the providence of God. Someone said that when you look at the real view mirror, right, you will be able to see the providence of God clearly. When you look back on, then you'll be able to see because you are in the midst of the circumstance. While this whole hurricane is going on, the storm is going on, the eyes of the hurricane, eyes of storms, it's really calm, right? You don't know what's happening there because you are in the midst of that circumstance. That leads us to the third chapter. We see continuous God's providence. Now, God honors men and women, their righteous action and their faithful action, okay? Even to the point that somebody was come up with this very bad idea. Naomi had come up with a very bad idea, right? What was that idea? Oh, it looks like the Boaz kind of fell in love with you. I'll send you during this fresh fall to floor that harvest that you stay there and you wait until the Boaz eat and drinks and sleep there and you lie down right by the Boaz's feet. And when he wakes up, make sure that you ask him to propose you. Does that sound really Regional and great idea? No, I mean, that's a crazy idea. That's another way of your mother-in-law asking you to have relationship with somebody, to put you in a very vulnerable place. That is also sin, right? According to God. But God in honor, very mistake and worst possible idea. Why? Because of integrity, because of righteous action that has been shown by both Luth and Boaz. Luz been showing, I mean, Boaz been showing his integrity through three actions, right? Or the things, the first, he didn't touch her. Think about that. She is a pagan woman. Nobody would care. There are so many reasons that he could have taken advantage of her, but he didn't. Not only that, he'd start taking care of her. Make sure to stay here in the morning, then you go so that nobody will no notice you. And not only that, he also made a promise that I'll go and find out the nearest and closest kinsman redeemer, and I'll confront him and find out what he wants. If not, I will redeem you. And he also gave her about 60 to 70 pounds of volleys. That's a lot of it. That shows his integrity. That's what we come in chapter 4. 
And my title for today's message is God's Plan for Redemption. Everybody says, God's Plan for Redemption. That's what we're going to say in this fourth chapter. And what I want you to take away from this sermon is this message. Very simple. I want you to remember this. Let's read it all together. God used the righteous actions of faithful men and women to bring to pass greater things that they could ever imagine. The greater thing in this scene is God's redemption for others. I want to talk about the characteristics of the righteous actions of faithful men and women. What are the characteristics of the righteous man and woman? What are the things that you should have as a Christian and a man and woman of God? Now, here comes the first verse. I'm not going to go over whole verses. Don't worry about it. Okay, I'm just going to focus on the first parts. We kind of jump on to the last parts. Okay? Now, the first one, Nablaz had gone up to the gate. By the way, the gate is also the same words of city, uh, city hall, okay, in our world. Okay? All this, uh, one, all this uh, civil matters has been dealing with, and set up there, and behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend. Sit down here. And he turned aside and said, oh. Now, if you read in Hebrew or King James Version at least, it's not just friend. The author used this phrase, hope, such a one. Or he called them Mr. So-and-so. There is the guy who is closest to Kinsman Redeemer. He does not have name. And I guess because of his disgraceful act that we're going to be seeing, okay? From this uh, second verse through the sixth or seventh verse. So there is a no named guy, Mr. So and so. Then he came and was confront him. And I think we can find the first lesson about this righteous man and woman, and it's this don't waste your time, right? Think about what happened in the third chapter. Uh, he made his promise, I will go tomorrow and confront the closer kinsman redeemer and talk to him to see if he wants to redeem you and your family. If not, I'll do that. And he did that, right? He did not waste his time. He did not say, you know what, by the way, I have to pray about it. Let me just give me some time, a couple of days, I can kneel down and pray and fasting. He didn't do that, did he? He didn't say that I have, by the way, this whole my investment, my harvest values. I need to take care of this. I need to protect it. Well, let me take care of this first. Then I'll go and confront them. No, he did not waste his time. He honored his words. He went ahead and did it. Brothers and sisters, this is the characteristics of the righteous man and woman of God. If God has called you, don't waste your time. Don't just, just say that, oh, I have to pray. I have to hear the word of God. I have to just hear the voice of God. No. The chances lie, God is not going to tell you or show you or guide you until you take one step. Until, until you take the step of faith. God is waiting for you. I want you to take this one step forward and I will show you the next step. Don't waste your time. And it comes after the boys gather about 10 elders that is required by the, the Mosaic law. They have to have at least 10 elders to be able to make this legal transaction. And it comes verse 3. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belongs to our relative Elimelech. Boaz was saying, remember the Naomi who just returned? His deceased uh, you know, husband is Elimelech. It belongs to us. 
our clan, we are the kinsman redeemer. Would you like to redeem his property? And in verse 4, he said, okay, I'll take it. More land, more profit, more money. And with his great wisdom, Boaz said in verse 5, by the way, if you want to take this property, this land, there is also a package deal that comes with it. All right, this is widow, mother-in-law, especially this Gentile and pagan daughter-in-law, that you have to redeem her to receive you as one of your wife. He thought about it, and this is what he says. Then Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself. Rest and pair my own inheritance. Take my life of redemption yourself, or I cannot redeem it. He thought about it. He did all, he did all this you know, calculation and said, I don't want anybody, okay, the first son, according to the Mosaic law, first son that was born to this kinsman redeemer belongs to Malhom, family of Alimelech. But from the second son and run along, that belongs to this Mr. So-and-so, the kinsman. So that means by the time he died, they have to split it up all the land. He didn't want that. He didn't want to split and share with all this pagan blood. That's what he said. Right? And that's where we can find the second lesson about a righteous man and woman. Let's read it all together. To honor the process. Think about how Boaz did. He already fell in love with Naomi. I mean, fell in love with Ruth. Not Naomi. Okay, fell in love with Ruth, right? And he had all his reason and way because he's a powerful man to take a shortcut and went away to redeem her. I don't think anybody would say that because of her status, where she's from. She's a pagan Gentile, but he did not do that. He made sure to talk to the whoever is prior to him to follow and honor the process. Brothers and sisters, what are the areas in your life that you're not honoring the process, the God-given process? What are the areas of your life that you said, I want to actually go and get this outcome, but I don't care how to get there. We're living in a culture and society where outcome justifies means, right? Whatever the outcome that I have, the way you get there, that's fine. We're living in a culture and society where it says, get rich quick scheme. You heard about that? It doesn't matter how you make money, but make sure to just get there. There is a quicker way, quicker way. Brothers and sisters, there's no quick way to be rich, okay? There is a step. You gotta take this step by step to save up your money, to be away from Amazon, to be away from all different shopping malls, to be away from your restaurant, that you don't have to go and take this step, making this seed money to invest it. There's a time and process. You gotta honor it. Another culture, I guess, probably I can um, take this from here, get slim quick skin. Heard about that? All these diet pills, industry, that's how they promote, right? You can get slim quick. All you have to do is take these pills in 30 days and 60 days. Yeah. There's no such a thing like that. All right? Hold your life that you're living on the health way by taking all these pills. That's not going to work. There is a step. There are steps that you have to take to be able to get to that outcome. I believe the same thing that applies in our spiritual life as well. We all want to be the spiritual giant, amen? We want to be grow up in spirit. But we don't want to follow the right procedure and the right step. You don't want to endure, you don't want to be patient, you don't want to take your effort to take step by step to get there. 
And some of you perhaps have come to me, Pastor, I want to be a spiritual giant. And I ask you, so have you been reading the Word of God? No, I'm busy. But I come here in the house of the Lord Sunday to listen to your Word. And then great reading that led by Julia today. So I'm good. Have you been praying? Because that's another requirement. No, I don't have time. But I come here. They always give you your, your, your heartful and genuine prayer. That's enough for me. No, that is not. Someone who comes to me and says, I want to be deacon, because I want that title. Because we are also living in a culture that is called entitlement. We want title, but we don't want to pay for the price to get there. I want to, de- I want to be a deacon. And if I ask you, have you started serving this church from being an usher and greeter? And you said, no, that's too tedious job. You know, I don't want to do that. I just want to be there. No, that's not how it works. Think about that. This is also the lesson from our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember those, 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 those talents, five, two, and one talents? Those who are given and make the profit, those who are given the five and two. What did the master say to them? Good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over what? Few things. Now that you'll be able to rule over the many things. It all starts with a few things. It was also Jesus Christ who knows this, this, this principle. He knew he doesn't want to get to this outcome except following this painful, enduring, but patient process. Remember that how Jesus Christ was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane? Right? He knew how to bypass the process. He is also God. Oh, but he didn't do that. He said, I know this is really painful to me. The cross, shame, and all this painful that I'm, that I'm going to experience and tomorrow, but not my will, yours will be done. Yeah. Even Jesus Christ knows the importance of the process. Do you honor the process? At your work, you want to just get there, whatever, that you can probably scheme other people? No. As a Christian, the, the process is as important as outcome. Make sure that you honor process. Whatever that you do at school, you can't go to grad school, right? Without graduating for four years of your bachelor degree. You cannot go to college without even graduating and having this high school. There is always process. What do I know as what we are preparing our hearts? In that process, God honors that. Amen? That's where the spiritual growth that's where this transformation is taking place. It's not in your outcome. It is when you are in that process. And then also, another lesson that we can learn from this very first part of passage as a righteous action costs something. Righteous action costs your responsibility and even to sacrifice. Think about this Mr. So-and-so, closest kinsman redeemer. He wants the blessings, right? He wants his properties, but he didn't want any responsibility, any sacrifice that is attached to this property and blessings. But unlike him, Boaz was willing to, even though he knew he was well aware of the cost of this responsibility, to be a redeemer, a kinsman redeemer of this family. He could be dishonored because of this blood from the Moabite woman. But despite that, he wanted to, willing to pay for the price. What the Bible says from the book of Romans chapter 12, 
You have to be not be conformed in the pattern of this world. Okay? There's always cost to be a follower of Jesus Christ to give yourself as a living sacrifice. And also Matthew 16, we know if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself and what? Take up your own cross. As I was actually reading and meditating that passage and verse again, it reminds me of how Jesus Christ was taking the cross. Did he take this one hand, that cross, right? No, right? He has to be taken using his two hands, as heavy as it was, focusing and make sure that he was able to carry this cross. It takes your four. It takes your full focus. It takes your cost, your responsibilities, and your sacrifice. Think about Jesus Christ. He knew what are the costs to save us. He knew what it will cost him to save you and me. But did he do that? Did he not do that? Despite his pain and death and all the humiliation on the cross, he did that because he loved you so much. That is the characteristic of righteous man and women. Let's move on and fast forward to verse 8. So when Redeemer said to Boaz, but if for yourself, he drove off his sandal. Now he gave up, and there should be the legal transaction. According to the Mosaic law and the culture, the legal transaction is put up there one of the sandal and then give it to the person. How simple is that? Especially when I was uh, buying and going through this process of buying a house, you have no idea. I feel like I was being interrogated by them. I have to check yes or put my initial for about 30, 40, 50, 60 pages of documents. You have to prove all your bank statement. We're getting some help from our parents and there was all this transaction, whichever higher the thousand dollars, you have to have an answer for that. We're living in that kind of culture that we don't believe. We're living in that kind of culture that is founded by distrust. But back then is not. All you have to do is take up your sandal and throw it to you. <laughs> I think the way it means is wherever my sandal that represents your feet and your step and your journey, wherever I go, okay? Whichever and wherever my sandal goes, you have my promise. So he took the sandal and he received it. And followed by the great blessings, perplexed but very great blessings of these ten elders after the proclamation by the Boaz that I will redeem, it is my turn. And fast forward. Now the last scene that I called from bitter, better to best. I think that that is our life and that is what summarizes this whole book of Ruth. In other words, gospel that was given to you. You know, Boaz represented Jesus Christ, right? And Ruth represents us. And Naomi represents the nation of Israel. And it will help you read if you have that in your mind. And I believe how this journey of Naomi and Ruth from Peter to have their life secured to better. And now they have their offspring that can carry on their family legacy to best. But little didn't they know, and among their offspring and their descendants, there will be the descendants that is great king of David, and also through them, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is a great praise after they heard 
the marriage happens and conceived happened between the Boaz and Ruth. I don't have to explain to you. After that, this is what happened in verse 13 and 14. Let's read it all together. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her. The Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then a woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without Redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and nourisher of your old age for all your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Think about that. This is outcome of a righteous action of a faithful man and woman. I don't have time to impact all this, but I'm going to ask you to just read again to have these words immersed in your heart and to see this is what I'm going to get if I'm faithful, if I'm being righteous, if I'm doing the right on the eyes of God. And then the last part is the genealogy of King David. And I'm just going to read the second part. Solomon fathered Boaz, and Boaz fathered Obed, and Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. And you know, later on, one of the descendants is our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of the Lords and King of the Kings. Make sure, brothers and sisters, live your life as a righteous man and woman. Take your step forward, step of faith, and do the righteous action of man and woman who is faithful. I'm going to just finish this whole series and whole sermon by sharing my conversion experience. Um, you know, I was born in church pretty much, not in technically church, but I was born in Christian. Mm -hmm. My whole life is in the church, a while in the church. That's my playground. That's my second home because I slept there, I played there, I, you know, poop there, I, whatever, okay? When I was a kid, not in the church, but in my diaper. Oh. But anyway, <laughs> that's where my life was. I was born Christian. And because of that, I heard the message of gospel of Jesus Christ. As long as I remember, even before I understood. But it wasn't through my father and mother. It, was, it wasn't through my pastor. But the moment that I really received the gospel of Jesus Christ as my own savior, through my sixth grade Sunday school teacher. She's later on her 30. So she had every single reason to be bitter, according to Korean culture. That you don't get married until the end of 30s at the time, that you're so bitter and you're your unfortunate one, okay? But she was always alive. And she was doing her best as an office regular worker, prepare the, 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 the Sunday school lessons faithfully. She always put up with me, endure for me. And she gave this message from the John 3, 16 that we all know. And that night, somehow, I was just laying down on my bed, just recalling about her message. And I found myself, have the, the, the understanding, the, the capacity of understanding as a sixth grader to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I found myself kneeled down on the floor and I call out to God and receive Him as my Savior. Do you think that she knew the impact that she was going to make? All she did was just teaching faithfully. This righteous woman and her action of faithful action has impacted like a ripple effect. That's why I'm here, I believe. Amen? Amen. That's why I'm here. As a believer of Jesus Christ, 
May you be the righteous man and woman. May you be going out to show your faith, being a faithful man and woman. Because even though there will be very small action that you're going to be doing, and I'm sure in the end, God will honor that with his, his providential power. And he used that and multiplied that and impact for his plan for God's salvation. Let us pray. Father God, we are just finishing this book of Ruth. Amazing book. It is also the call of the gospel of Ruth. Talks about how your love and your grace and your mercy has been amazingly displaying here. I ask in the name of Jesus. I know some of us here, we're in the moment of a bitter right now. We lost our home. We're in hopeless circumstance. I ask you, Lord, may your blessings and your providence and your provision upon them take them into the next step of better, Lord. But those who are in the better place right now, their families are good, their job is good, they're in your safer and secure life. I ask you, Lord, that is not it. We have another step to go to the best. As a man and woman who is a faithful, who has this righteous action in our lives, may you continue to bless us, Lord. Make us, all of our brothers and sisters, to follow the footstep of Ruth, footstep of Boaz. Because that's what you have gone through, Lord, thousand years later. Heavenly Father, I know that we're here, Lord, to experience your greatness and your salvation. And I believe that's always and usually a lot of times happening through one of us and our humble, genuine, righteous actions. So whatever that we do, whatever that we tell to others, Lord, may you always be intentional to go out, even go to the restaurant and grocery store, talk to our neighbor. May we always be mindful of what I say, what I do, what I really think about others can be the huge impact on others. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.